0: Democrats blame Trump for wildfires in Democrat-run areas. Cops are blamed yet again for refusing to be assaulted by BLM protesters. And the media go wild over an indoor Trump rally. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your online activity should not be public. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So this morning, I was driving around my neighborhood in Los Angeles. And I was observing all the sights and sounds of Los Angeles, you know, like the smoke in the sky that obscures the sun so that it feels like you're an apocalyptic Mad Max movie. You know, the, the sights of, of homeless people going through your garbage can, like directly in front of your home. And then a few blocks later, homeless people pissing onto the sidewalks and the sights and sounds of L.A., the things that make L.A. really, really tremendous. But there's one thing that juxtaposed with all of these things reminds you why L.A. is such a great city, and that is the lawn signs. See, there is this thing that's happened in LA probably over the last few years where people feel the necessity to put out a signal of their own virtue and wonderfulness. It is a a symbol of their own dissociation from their evil, terrible, benighted fellow Americans. It's basically like Passover for the social justice warriors, where if you put out this lawn sign on your lawn, then everybody is supposed to pass right over you because you are one of the virtuous. It's like blood on the lintel during Passover. You're supposed to the, the gods of social justice wokeness will pass right over your home and move right on to the next home because you have been touched by the hand of tolerance. The, there's this lawn sign, again, I don't know if it's in, LA, in other cities. In LA, it is extremely, extremely common. I would say that probably every suburban block in LA has three or four of these lawns everywhere. And these are not kind of normal political signs that just say which political candidate you support, they are semantically overloaded virtue signaling signs. And what they are truly designed to do is of course suggest that you are better than other people. You're better than other people because they are filled with tautologies that don't mean anything unless you're in on the coding, unless you're in on the semantic coding. Now to remind everybody, semantic overload is a term that means that sometimes a a tautology or a term doesn't necessarily mean what it says it means. It can carry a bunch of different meanings. A perfect example of this is, of course, the phrase Black Lives Matter, which can mean three separate things. It can mean, one, the inarguable proposition that black people matter and should matter. Two, the proposition that America is systemically racist and that a huge swath of Americans don't believe black lives matter. And three, the Black Lives Matter organization, a neo-Marxist, horrible organization seeking to overturn all institutions in the United States. So that's what this sign is filled with. And it is put on lawns by white, rich, suburban people, generally. Who have decided it's really important to signal to their neighbors what their feelings are. We know that these people are virtuous because they've put this sign on their lawn. And this all ties into what we are seeing in our, in our political cycle today. Right, the, the firm insistence by the media and by Democrats that only Democrats believe in science. But this is all part of a broader rubric, which is we are more virtuous than you. We offer no solutions. We offer no policy prescriptions. In fact, there's no reason for us to do so because we cannot have conversations with people who do not believe the following semantically overloaded tautological statements. We can't even have a conversation with you because you don't believe what we believe. You're not even operating in the same universe that we are operating. See, here's the thing. When you discuss solutions, when you discuss policies, sometimes you can find common ground. But if you never discuss solutions and you never discuss policies, and what you really are attempting to do is cudgel people with slogans that mean a lot more than you are saying they mean when you are playing this Mott and Bailey game where you put out the most generic-sounding term, but what you actually mean is something that is extremely loaded, then what you're really trying to do is divide people. So this lawn sign is not attempting to unify anybody. The lawn sign is deliberately attempting to divide people and to give yourself a pat on the back because you put up a lawn sign. Sure, you may not have given charity to any of the causes you supposedly support. Sure, you may not even have thought through any of these slogans, but you got the lawn sign, and that's all that matters. So here's what this lawn sign says. That, again, is extremely common in L.A. You can buy it on Amazon for like $17.99 because capitalism always wins. From signsofjustice.com, this is where this sign has come from. We believe, and it's all in rainbow colors, of course, Black Lives Matter. Now, again, semantically overloaded, right? Usually it says, in this house, we believe. Black Lives Matter. And what they mean by that, of course, is that As opposed to the guy next door in that house, they don't believe Black Lives Matter. That's why we have a sign and they don't have a sign. So they're using the semantically overloaded term Black Lives Matter to suggest that they are different from their evil predatory neighbors who don't care about black people in this house. We believe Black Lives Matter. No human is illegal except for the ones they are hiring to uh, to trim their lawn, presumably because this is California. No human is illegal. Now, that, of course, is a is a bizarre statement because no one is arguing that being human is illegal. When we talk about illegal immigration, which is what this is a reference to, what we mean generally is that somebody has engaged in the crime of crossing the border illegally. And the, 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 the being human is not the illegal part. In fact, the only people who seek to criminalize being human are people who are pro-abortion, who literally say that because you are, you're not a human, we get to criminalize this. Okay, let's continue with that, that sign. Okay, love is love, right? Another semantically overloaded phrase. So, of course, love is love, right? That's literally a tautology. A tautology is just A equals A, right? Love is love. That is a tautological statement. But, of course, what they actually mean is that all forms of love are equal. Now, what's funny is that, generally, even people who say love is love don't believe that all forms of love are equal, obviously. I mean, they actually have moral standards as well, thank God, right? They don't believe that that homosexuality is on par with bestiality, which it isn't. They don't believe that homosexuality is on par with incest, which it isn't. So even people who say love is love don't actually believe that all love is equal to all love because that would be a ridiculous statement. What they actually mean is that they are just pro same-sex marriage, but they have decided that if you don't believe that same-sex marriage and heterosexual marriage are obviously of the same political impact or import, or you don't believe that they're on the same moral level, then this means that you don't believe that love is love, right? You don't believe in the tautological statement because you've drawn a standard. Now, obviously, they draw standards too. It's just a different standard. We, in this house, we believe women's rights are human rights. And here what they actually mean is we believe in abortion. Because no one believes that women shouldn't go to school. Nobody believes that women shouldn't be able to get any job they want to get. No one believes that a qualified woman shouldn't be able to do the exact same job as a qualified man. Nobody believes anything different in the United States. So again, this is an attempt to suggest that if you disagree with people on abortion, it's because you don't believe in women's rights or you don't believe that women are human. Again, it's all this, this semantically overloaded virtue signaling crap. We believe science is real. OK, science is real. This is the big one for today's show and for today's news cycle, because the Democrats have decided that they are going to campaign on the slogan. Science is real. Anybody who opposes them, anybody who believes that they are reading into the science solutions that are not requisite, anybody who believes that they're overreading the science in order to achieve political goals, which is what is exactly happening with regard to the wildfires and hurricanes, as we'll see, Democrats are saying absolutely anti-scientific things today. So are the media. They're saying absolutely anti-scientific things about how climate change works, about the impact of climate change, about what can be done to mitigate climate change. And they're really leaning on the slogan, science is real, in order to maintain that if you disagree with anything they say, it's because you deny the science. As we will see, that is a lie. right? It is an overt lie. But by saying science is real, you can imply that your opponents don't believe science is real. And that is why Scientific American today came out and endorsed Joe Biden, because They put up their lawn sign. Unlike Donald Trump, Joe Biden believes that science is real. And then finally, the sign concludes water is life, which is a a weird thing. I mean, that that actually is not tautological. First of all, water is not actually, it it is required for life. I'm not sure who is objecting to water. I'm a fan. I like water, too. I don't even know what the semantic overload in this one, in this case is. And finally, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Unless, of course, you are an individual and you cross the social justice warrior lines, in which case you are to be judged by group by group affiliation. Right? Now, the goal of the sign, obviously, is to make you, is to elevate you to a higher moral plane than your neighbors. That is the goal of the sign. And this has become the Democratic Party slogan. I mean, basically, you don't need a platform anymore. You just need the sign because there are no solutions offered. There are no policy prescriptions offered. Nothing is offered here other than an unearned sense of moral superiority based on your denigrating feelings about your neighbors, copied and pasted into this bizarre little sign that makes you a better person because you put it on your front lawn, and that's L.A. The people, can, the homeless people, can be still suffering with mental illness and drug addiction and pissing in the trash cans directly across the street from you. Illegal immigrants can still be living in homeless shelters because you have not come up with any solution for how exactly to alleviate their economic condition. The city of L.A. can be falling into complete and utter disrepair. Wildfires can be plaguing the state of California, but so long as you have the sign, you have participated in the solution. This is the Democratic Party slogan. So much of our politics is no longer about finding solutions. It used to be, ideally, that politics was supposed to be about finding common solutions to common problems. Now, it is about naming problems that you believe exist. And if somebody has a different solution, then you suggest that they don't believe the problem exists at all. This is the way our politics works. This is true on everything from policing to climate change. Even if somebody agrees with you that there's a problem with police brutality in some police departments, that's not enough because if they disagree with your solution which is to dismantle the police that means they don't exa- they don't actually understand the problem okay that that political sign is pretty much how our politics works and so i have decided that uh i'm i want to put up this sign in my front yard in this house we believe if you put up a lawn sign filled with semantically overloaded virtue signaling tautologies you are uh, you are an obnoxious ass that is it that is the lawn sign i think belongs on everybody's front lawn because frankly if you decide that it is very important to you to feel good about yourself by putting that lawn sign on your, uh, on your lawn, then uh, I, I think people should have nothing to do with you, frankly. I think it makes you, just by definition, incredibly, incredibly obnoxious. We'll get to how that lawn sign has boiled down into the political debates of the day in just one second. Because that really is all that's happening here, right? Somebody put up a slogan and says, science is real. And now, if you disagree with them on their policies, they will just argue that you think science is not real. Okay, science is real. You guys are getting the science wrong. We'll get to that in one second. First, let us talk about the fact that it is very important to protect your eyes from the blue light that comes from your favorite devices. My kids are online more for school. I am online more because there's just more news happening. It's an election cycle, and the entire world is entering an apocalyptic period of doom. And that means that I'm spending an awful lot of time in front of screens. Well, the blue light from the screens can keep you awake. It can give you headaches. It can give you eye strain. This is why you need Felix Grey glasses. There are a lot of blue light glasses on the market, but they are not all created equal. You can order online right now. Glasses will ship directly to you with a hard case and lens cloth included. Try them for 30 days, risk free. If your screens aren't easier on the eyes, you send them back for a full refund. They're really, really durable, which means a lot to me since my kids beat up whatever I own. Go to felixgrayglasses.com/ben for the absolute best quality blue light filtering glasses on the market. That's f e l i x g r a y glasses.com/ben. Felixgrayglasses.com/ben. Shipping and returns totally free at Felix Gray. Felixgrayglasses.com/ben. Make sure that you can sleep better. That blue light can really screw you up. And not only that'll give you the headaches, you won't feel very good. This is why you need Felix Gray Glasses. Go check them out right now. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash Ben. Shipping and returns are utterly and completely free. So go check that out right now. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash Ben. Alrighty, so this is the narrative of the day. The wildfires are raging in California. The air quality out there is horrendous. In fact, California has become such a hellhole that you can't go inside because you might get covid And you can't go outside because you might die of smoke inhalation. So basically, we're all just standing in our doorways, which is actually not bad. I mean, if there's an earthquake, I guess we're all okay. That's that's pretty much all that. That's where we can be. We can stand in the doorways. So the wildfires are happening. President Trump visited California yesterday. And while President Trump was in California, he met with Gavin Newsom and some of the uh, first responders and some of the scientific advisors on handling wildfires. And while he was there, President Trump. He said, listen, you know, you can talk about climate change all you want. What this really is about is bad forest management. That happens to be exactly correct. Okay, it happens to be that federal policy has prevented good forest management for a long time in federal territory and state policy in California has prevented good policy when it comes to wildfires for literally decades. We'll get to the details on that in just a second. Well, all of this said by President Trump, who sort of downplayed climate change as the factor in wildfires, which, by the way, makes some sense. Okay, here's your choice today, scientifically speaking. You can argue that the wildfire that is raging out of control in California and Oregon is due to climate change, or you can argue that it is due to bad forest management, or you can argue both. The the latter two options make some sense, right? That it is due to bad forest management, or that it is bad forest management combined with slight uptick in average temperature in places like California over the course of the last century. What you cannot argue with any straight face, is that climate change is the actual reason for the wildfires or for the increase in the territorial spread of the wildfires. You cannot make that case. That case is absurd in the absence of mentioning any of the federal and state policy that has led to the exacerbation of the tinder that is available for these wildfires. It makes no sense at all. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, the average temperature in the state of California over the past century has risen three degrees Fahrenheit. Not 15, not 20, three degrees Fahrenheit. That makes for some drier brush. But do you think that the massive wildfires that we are seeing today is more a result of a three degree Fahrenheit increase over the course of 100 years? Or do you think maybe it has more to do with the fact that federal and state policy have prohibited any sort of controlled burning that would have prevented all of these tindered areas from basically becoming a giant explosive device? which do you think it is? Well, the Democrats have made their call. So Gavin Newsom meets with President Trump. And first, he admits freely that we have not actually done our forest management justice. Like we've actually blown the forest management. Here was, uh, here was the garbage governor, Gavin Newsom, who just yesterday, by the way, was cutting videos from bad areas of the California forest. He was literally sitting out there like that. This is fine dog. Jeff, he's sitting out there with his laptop and with like some paper trying to explain that it was it was the climate's fault. Right. It was the sun's fault. It was carbon emissions fault. It was not his fault. He's been governor of the state. It's not his fault at all. Well, yesterday, Trump said, you know, your bad forest management had something to do with this. And Newsom was like, well, that's kind of true.
1: There's no question when you look past this decade and looking past almost a thousand plus years that we have not done justice on our forest management. I don't think anyone disputes that. I want to acknowledge we have uh, our U.S. Forest Representative here, the state of California. Your administration just entered into a first type of commitment over the next 20 years to double our vegetation management and forest management. I want to thank you for supporting that effort, funding that effort. We acknowledge our role and responsibility to do more in that space.
0: Okay, that should be the end of that conversation right there, is that the state of California can basically focus in on forest management and alleviate this problem over the course of the next few years. That would be the immediate solution to this problem. Instead, Gavin Newsom then turns and lectures Trump on climate change. And this is what the Democrats would like to talk about. They don't want to talk about the solutions that are at hand. They don't want to talk about the fact that if you shut down every industry in the United States today, all of them, if Trump had come in and bombed into submission every industry in the United States the day he entered office, you know what still would have happened this summer? A giant wildfire. Because guess what? That is not how climate change works. If you cut off all carbon emissions today, today it would not have made one iota of difference in terms of the wildfire damage that has been done in California as of 2020. In fact, if we ceased all carbon emissions today, today, like all in the United States, all of them, we would reduce global warming over the course of the next 70 odd years by 2100. Okay, by 2100, we would reduce all global warming across the world if if, if all emissions went to zero today, to zero, which is not a thing that's happening. Okay, if that were to happen, we would reduce global warming by, get this, 0.172 degrees Celsius, not 1.72 degrees, not 17 degrees, 0.172 degrees Celsius by 2100. If we ceased all carbon activities today, today, okay, that's if we, which is not even on the table, if we abided by the quote unquote Paris agreement, which is Joe Biden's big plan, right? And Barack Obama's big plan. If we did all of that, the estimate is that if all nations did that, if China did it, if India did it, if France did it, if Germany, if all of them did it, agreeing, abiding by the limits in the Paris Agreement would lower climate change by the end of the century by 0.17 degrees Celsius for all nations, for all nations, because it turns out that the Paris Agreement gives you a little bit more time than like shut down all industry today. And still, you would end up with a 0.17 degrees Celsius reduction in the climate increase by 2100. So as we will see, the solutions that are being posited by the Democrats have nothing to do with the reality of the forest fires in California. If you actually want to solve the forest fires in California, you have to do what human beings have historically been extremely good at doing, adapting. You have to create new technologies. You have to take policies that make sense. When it comes to hurricanes, you have to build new seawalls. You have to stop building things directly in the path of hurricanes. Right? There are things that we can do that mitigate damage in the immediate term. But Democrats don't want to talk about any of that. The media don't want to talk about any of that. Instead, they just want to say that Trump is a climate denier. Now, you may say to yourself, yes, but that doesn't change any of the policy. Even if Trump denies climate change, that doesn't change anything that's going on right now, right? But according to Democrats, in a paganistic fashion, if Trump were to mouth climate change is the most important thing that has ever happened, then the oceans would begin to slow. The rise of the oceans would begin to slow, like Barack Obama said in his Iowa victory speech back in 2008. If only we would accept that climate change is responsible for every ill, right? We don't have to pose a solution. Because there are no actual obvious solutions to what's happening right now, except for the ones that are on the ground. When it comes to climate change, there are no obvious and, and actual solutions that are available. When that ha- but if you mouth the words, if you, if you put up that lawn sign just in the universe, then presumably all of this will end. This is the pitch the Democrats are making. That is an anti-scientific pitch. That is a pagan, ridiculous, non-provable, non-verifiable, anti-evidentiary pitch. Okay, so that that is the direction in which Gavin Newsom was pushing. So we'll get to Gavin Newsom and his idiocy in just one second. Avoiding responsibility by citing global climate change. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that the Second Amendment is really important these days. Why? Well, you got to protect your rights, but you also have to protect yourself. There is a major crime wave happening in cities across the United States. I'm getting letters from people who have been accosted on streets, people who have been mugged, people who have been beaten up. And increasingly, there is the threat that Criminals are going to come into your area, right? These are these are all real concerns. These are not fake concerns. Having a gun to protect yourself is a very, very smart thing to do. And that is why I trust the USCCA, not merely because they can help you get informed about your gun, but also because they'll provide you legal defense in case, God forbid, you have to use your gun correctly in self-defense. That is not a guarantee that the authorities aren't going to come after you anyway, as we have seen repeatedly now. In this day and age, you need a gun to protect yourself and your family. And you need to know how to use it and what you can legally do. Get your 100% Free copy of the complete concealed carry and family defense guide from the United States Concealed Carry Association. It is 164 pages. It comes with a bonus audio version, so you can listen whenever you want. Just text Shapiro to 87222. You'll get instant access and a chance to win 1000 bucks, so you can buy a gun to protect your family. Text Shapiro to 87222 right now. Again, a chance to win a gun, which is great if you're a law abiding citizen, and you get instant access to that complete concealed carry and family defense guide from the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. They help you with the information you need and the self-defense information and protection you want. Go check them out right now. The USCCA just text Shapiro to 87222 to get started, get instant access to that guide and a chance to win a thousand bucks so you can buy a gun. And to protect your family, text Shapiro to 87222 right now. Okay. So first, Gavin Newsom admits freely that they've completely botched their forest management, like completely botched it. Then, Gavin Newsom turns and lectures Trump on climate change. And this has become the theme of the day. Trump hates science. Trump hates. Now, do I think that Donald Trump knows the first thing about science? No. I really like I I see no evidence that Donald Trump sits around in his spare time reading pop science books. I don't think he subscribes to Scientific American. I I don't think that's his thing. But let's say that Trump believed wholeheartedly in the realities and threats of climate change. Would that mean that the wildfires wouldn't have just occurred? No, we had wildfires all throughout the Obama administration. This is not how science works. Science doesn't work by you shouting you believe in it like a religious totem at the top of your lungs. And then the universe leaves you alone. Like you stand in the face of a hurricane, you go, climate change is real. And then the hurricane's like, well, I guess we're done here. I guess we am just gonna move right out to sea. You said climate change is real. I guess we're finished here. And guess what? All of your idiotic policies about building energy efficient houses and all of this stuff, It is not calibrated to actually stop climate change. It is not. Okay, the solutions that are put forth by Joe Biden will not, they will not alleviate climate change in any serious way by the end of the century. If we actually care about climate change, over time, what we are going to need to do is pour money into making energy efficient, not energy efficient houses, into making more sources of energy efficiency like new technologies. Human beings are very good at technology. There are two things basically that human beings can do about climate change. One is, we can pour money into R&D such that we can create more efficient sources of energy. Hey, okay, not the ones that we're currently talking about. Not stupid windmills. If your solution to climate change right now, like the forest is burning, build a windmill, Bob. That's not thats not a solution. It's not even close to a solution. The fact is that California two weeks ago was experiencing a heat wave and rolling brownouts because we had decided to decommission our nuclear facilities and also move away from natural gas and toward, quote unquote, green energy solutions. So people instead were plossing from the heat. So if you actually want to do this, what you need to do is develop technologies that are actually economically efficient and that people can opt for. And there is some of that, right? I mean, people are now driving electric cars more than ever. Right, That's a good thing. And two, we can engage in adaptation. And that means things like perhaps geoengineering. It means that we have to build more seawalls. It means better infrastructure. It means don't build directly next to a wildfire area. It means that you have to take measures like controlled burns, right? These are all practical things we can do. Democrats don't talk about any of those things. Instead, they talk about these broad scale, quote unquote, ideas for curbing climate change that when when actually evaluated, cost trillions of dollars and don't accomplish what they are seeking to accomplish. But it's not about that. Understand, it's about the lawn sign. It's about science is real. So here is Gavin Newsom shouting at Trump, science is real. And then the media going, it's true, science is real. And Donald, and, and Donald Trump doesn't believe in science. Here's Gavin Newsom, this idiotic Ken doll. Here he goes. Something's happened
1: to the plumbing of the world and we come from a perspective humbly uh, where we submit uh, the science is uh, in and observed evidence is self-evident uh, that climate change is real and that is exacerbating this and so I think there's an area of at least commonality on vegetation forest management uh, but please uh, respect and I know you do uh, the difference of opinion out here as it relates to this fundamental issue on the issue of climate change.
0: Okay, but that fundamental issue is not a fundamental issue. I mean, who cares what Trump believes about, quote unquote, climate change? Why, why does that matter? The question is the policies. Is he blocking a policy that would have stopped the fire? Is he, stop, is he cutting the forest management? Like what, what's the notice? Well, notice what Gavin Newsom does there. He says, we can agree on the solutions, actually. We can agree on that. But do you agree that science is real? Do you agree with my lawn sign right here that has made no difference in alleviating wildfires in California for the past several decades? Do you, and has actually exacerbated the Do you agree with my lawn sign, sir? If you don't agree with my lawn sign, that means you're bad because my lawn sign is a lawn sign. Joe Biden did this routine yesterday as well. Right? this was Joe Biden's big speech. So he emerged from the basement, right? Every few days he emerges like the groundhog to determine whether there are further days of election. So he emerged from the basement uh, and he stood in a, a wheat field which was kind of weird. I'm not sure that even Joe Biden knew where he was. He stood in a wheat field, and then he mumbled some words, and then he went back down into the basement without taking questions, which is his way of running a campaign. So far, it's been successful because President Trump is constantly stepping on rakes, but let's not pretend that Joe Biden is running a masterful campaign. He's not even walking a masterful campaign. He is hobbling, at best, a masterful campaign. He is hobbling, he is crawling a masterful campaign. We'll get to Joe Biden and his science is real speech, or as he might put it, his Science is around. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you may be looking around right now and thinking to yourself, hey, you know, I might need some life insurance. And the reason I might need some life insurance is because, I mean, things are crazy right now. Well, there is good news. You can still shop for life insurance. You might be thinking to yourself, can I still get life insurance? The answer is yes. If you have loved ones, depending on your income, you probably should. Right now, you could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for a decade or more, those savings really do start to add up. So, what exactly is Policy Genius? It's an insurance marketplace. It's built and backed by a team of industry experts, and here's how it works. Step one, head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Step two, you can apply for your lowest price. Step three, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance company. So, if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they will take care of everything. They even have policies that allow eligible customers to skip the in-person medical exam and do it over the phone. So if you need life insurance, head on over to policygenius.com right now to get started. It could save 1500 bucks or more a year by comparing quotes on their marketplace. Policy Genius, it's important to have the right life insurance. This is an important thing to do if you're a responsible human who wants to take care of your family. Policygenius.com. Go check them out right now. Okay, so Joe Biden gives his speech in the middle of a wheat field. And he just, th- this is just sheer lawn sign demagoguery, lawn sign politics at his best. Joe Biden as lawn sign. So the speech is about eight minutes. This is what he's been doing, right? He just goes to a location and then he speaks for eight minutes and then he goes back in the basement. So here's Groundhog Joe emerging to talk about the crises America is facing. Now, we're going to go through the crises he's talking about here. As it turns out, he mentions four crises that you're about to hear for. Three of them are the faults of democratic policy. Here is Joe Biden.
2: As a nation, we face one of the most difficult moments in our history, in my view. Four historic crises all at the same time. The worst pandemic in 100 years that's already killed nearly 200,000 people and counting. The worst economic crisis since the Great Depression has cost tens of millions of American jobs and counting. Emboldened white supremacy unseen since the 60s and a reckoning on race that's long overdue and undeniable acceleration of the punishing reality of climate change on our planet and our people, on the lives and livelihoods, which I'd like to talk about
0: now. Okay. So he mentions four crises. Three of them are the faults of democratic policy. Okay. So he mentions the pandemic, not going to blame that on Democrats. Democrats will blame that on Trump because they don't know anything about science. Okay. It turns out that science means that the virus has gone everywhere and it's killed tons of people everywhere, as it turns out. Donald Trump didn't personally infect everybody in New York. That is anti-science. Today, Andrew Cuomo, idiot governor of New York, tweeted out, science knows. You know what science knows? That it's a terrible idea to ship COVID-positive elderly folks back into nursing homes and kill 11,000 of them. It turns out that's a really crappy policy, Andrew Cuomo. Okay, but Joe Biden names four crises. One is the, is the pandemic. The second is the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. Okay, that is largely due to misbegotten lockdown policies that have prevented economies from recovering. You know, half the people who are currently claiming unemployment live in the state of California? Half of them, really. Of the 14 million people who are currently claiming unemployment, half of them live in the state of California because California is still completely locked down. Now you could have a lockdown policy that alleviates at certain points. You could have people going back to school. Or you could have all these things. But misbegotten lockdown policy has made the economic crisis significantly worse than it has to be. If you don't believe me, just check the difference between the lockdown states and the non-lockdown states in terms of how they are doing in unemployment rate and economic recovery. There's a vast difference. The third crisis is what he calls emboldened white supremacy unseen since the 60s and a reckoning on race that's long overdue. So what we're watching in the real world here is not, quote unquote, emboldened white supremacy spreading across the nation and resulting in riots across the country in major cities. We're not watching white supremacists shoot cops. White supremacy is a threat. I know. I've been one of their main targets. the, the, The FBI arrested a white supremacist for targeting my family just last year. Believe you me, I'm pretty hard on the white supremacists. But if we are talking about what we are watching in real time right now, it is not an overdue reckoning on race. It is rioters and looters going around in major cities claiming that the police are systemically racist, backed by the Democratic Party and committing crimes. And then members of the Biden campaign bailing them out of jail. That is what we are watching right now. So that would be the fault of the Democratic Party. If you're watching a bunch of people rioting in Chicago, L.A., D.C., New York, Portland, Seattle, Kenosha, and your first response is, that's emboldened white supremacy, that's because you are blind or a moron. Okay. And finally, he says, an undeniable acceleration of the punishing reality of climate change on our planet. Weird, because climate change is a long-term prospect. It is a long-term thing. It does have real-world consequences. And I believe that it is caused mostly by man-made emissions. That does not mean the solutions that Democrats are proposing are in any way realistic or useful. Now, I tend to believe as the, as the Nobel Prize winner in economics who writes specifically on the cost of climate change policies and solutions, William Nordhaus writes, that one of the things you have to do is balance the future growth of the world economy against any measures that you take today that could dampen that growth. In other words, you do have to allow a certain amounts of climate change to happen because it is counterproductive to do otherwise. If you shut down the entire world industry in order to stop climate change today, first of all, it wouldn't occur. You wouldn't stop it. You might alleviate it like that much, a very, very small amount. Okay, and also you would destroy all of the economic growth that would allow for adaptation and better living conditions. Because as it turns out, you know what's a great protector against climate change? Being wealthy. It really is. It's quite good. There's a reason why hurricanes... When they hit the United States, they can be devastating, not on the same order of devastation as if they hit Haiti. The fact is that living in a corrugated iron shack is much worse in terms of what you can do to fight climate change on a personal level than living in in an air-conditioned, climate-controlled house. Wealth is an actual really important thing. I know people in the first world tend to forget about this, but there are lots of people who don't live in nice houses and even nice apartments. In any case, uh, there are three crises and, and when it comes to the, the impacts of climate change, Democrats have militated against actual adaptive, adaptive solutions, right? They're shutting down nuclear power plants. They're not allowing for the, the clear burning of particular areas that would that would stop wildfires from, from going so crazy. They are continuing to facilitate the rebuilding in areas that are most liable to, to be damaged by hurricanes. Like, all of this is bad Democratic policy. So three of those four crises have been exacerbated by Democratic policies. And then Biden continues, and he talks about wildfires says wildfires don't skip towns, right? Wildfires don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Okay, that's true. But you know what is also true? You can stop the wildfires from hitting towns if you burn areas in controlled fashion close to populated areas so that they don't eat the towns. Okay, but, but Democrats won't, won't do any of that.
2: Wildfires don't skip towns that voted a certain way. The impacts of climate change don't, pick and choose. That's because it's not a partisan phenomenon. It's science. And our response should be the same, grounded
0: in science. Science, science. And if he says science and science over and over, climate change stops and wildfire management never has to be undertaken. He can just say science. He puts up the lawn sign and magically everything gets better. You get more lawn sign speeches on climate change from Joe Biden in just one second. Then we'll talk about the actual policy changes that could be made, but everybody is ignoring. I mean, it's just it's it's so irritating on on a primal level to me. I mean, seriously, seriously irritating on a primal level that Democrats don't want to talk about solutions when it comes to how we adapt and mitigate climate change. Instead, all they want to do all day long is just shout that you don't agree with science. And then we're supposed to be like, oh, yes, the party that agrees, the, the party that believes that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, the party that believes that Donald Trump directly causes hurricanes, the party that believes that if a vaccine is developed by Donald Trump's FDA, you shouldn't take it because Donald Trump has personally poisoned the thing. And the party that also believes that babies in the womb are not babies. They are mere clusters of cells. That is the party of science. Spare me. And we'll get to more of Joe Biden and science in just one second. First. Let's talk about how there has never been a better time, really, to sign up for that online university. Campuses are closed. And why not pick some classes that are actually going to teach you something as opposed to the nonsense that you would learn at some of the major universities anyway? When you think of your future, you think of your goals, where you want to be. Substitute dreams for goals. Suddenly, planning your future is bigger because people don't have small dreams. Dream bigger with Ashford University and get a degree from Ashford. They offer online bachelor's and master's degree programs allowing you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real-world skills from real-world experience in online classes built for life's twists and turns you can learn from home or wherever you feel comfortable. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. With twenty-four-seven access to your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford gives you the tools you need to go from dreaming to doing. So stop putting off your education. Now is a great time to learn at home. Go to ashford.edu slash Ben. No fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. That's ashford.edu slash Ben. Make your resume better today. Now is a great time to burnish that resume. Ashford.edu slash Ben. Not all programs available in all states. Ashford.edu slash Ben. Go check them out. All righty. So tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, President Trump is taking part in a town hall aired by ABC News. Two days before Joe Biden's own town hall on CNN, he said he was too busy to do one with ABC News. Daily Wire will be guiding you through this with another special all-access live. You can watch the town hall with you over at DailyWire.com. Tonight at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific, the ex Michael Moles will stream the town hall complete with live commentary. You can watch the stream on DailyWire.com, YouTube, or Facebook. You can only interact with Michael, however, if you're an all-access member. So, be sure to head on over to dailyware.com. Join the live chat with Michael during the town hall and afterward. Finally, we'll have the question answered as to whether he is, in fact, the press secretary for Joe Biden. They look exactly the same. And I've never seen both of them in the same place at the same time. Only All Access members get to join these All Access live sessions where one of the Daily Wire hosts hops on every night to chat with you both in live stream and in the comments. All Access membership also features not one, but two leftist tears tumblers with your membership, as well as early and sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So Head on over to dailywire.com Shapiro right now to get 15% off all access with coupon code WATCH. That is dailywire.com Shapiro with coupon code WATCH to get 15% off your membership. Lastly, if you watch this podcast on YouTube, know this, September 28th, it's coming up like right now. It will be moving this podcast from the Daily Wire channel to be available exclusively on my YouTube channel, Ben Shapiro. So you need to go to YouTube. And you search Ben Shapiro, and then you find the Ben Shapiro channel and subscribe there. That's the only way you're going to continue to get my podcast and be alerted to it. Get the link in the description below. That's also the easiest way, right? Literally just look in the description below, pause it right now, click on that link, subscribe. I'm also making a lot of new content you can only find on my channel, so you should go subscribe just to that channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Ben Shapiro. Ring the bell to make sure you never miss out on a new video. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so Joe Biden continues with his science is real speech. Again, he offers no solutions that are of any practical effect. He just blabbers on about how climate change is real. And then he dares Donald Trump to say climate change isn't real. So he can have a fight on that particular topic and no solutions get done, which is like the dumbest form of this conversation ever. So here is Joe Biden literally, literally dismissing the actual solutions to forest fires and wildfires because science is real. The West is literally on fire.
2: And he blames the people whose homes and communities are burning. He says,
0: quote, you got to clean your floors. You got to clean your forest is literally the solution. Literally, the solution is forest and vegetation and and, um, vegetation management. That's exactly what Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, said directly to Trump. Right. But apparently it's bad if Trump says it because science, because science. Okay. And then we go into full Dennis Quaid in day after tomorrow mode with Joe Biden. He says, you know, what's actually threatening our suburbs, not people who are committing crimes, not rampant homelessness, not a federal attempt to redo how your community is built by putting giant publicly sponsored apartment complexes directly next to your house. None of that. What's actually threatening the suburbs is climate change. Now, again, climate change is a long term threat to certain areas of American life. Human beings have an enormous capacity to adapt. We will have better technology and we will be a lot richer in 100 years than we are right now. There are certain things that we can do. I've mentioned many of them already. But according to Joe Biden, if Donald Trump is reelected president, the wrath of Khan will emerge. Mother Nature will take her revenge and the suburbs will burn, not because of his supporters burning the suburbs, which is what's been happening, but because the climate will get angry at you. The climate, like a nasty, vengeful God, will come down from on high and smite you if Donald Trump is reelected. Here is pagan Joe Biden.
2: Meanwhile, Donald Trump warns that integration is threatening our suburbs. It's ridiculous. But you know what is actually threatening our suburbs? Wildfires are burning the suburbs in the West. Floods are wiping out suburban neighborhoods in the Midwest. Hurricanes are imperiling suburban life along our coast. If we have four more years of Trump's climate denial, how many suburbs will be burned And wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? If you give a climate arsonist four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised if we have more America ablaze? If you give a climate denier four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised when more of America is
0: underwater? That is not how climate change works. That's seriously not how climate change works. That if Donald Trump is elected for four more years, then America will burn and the entire coastline will be under... Like, what in the world is he talking about? Again, if we shut down every industry in the United States today, if all carbon emissions shut down today, if we came and siphoned the gas out of your car today, we would lower the global climate on planet Earth by 0.172 degrees Celsius by 2100. What in the actual F is he talking about, this stupid idiot? But science is real, guys. That pagan crap that he just told you—that if Donald Trump is reelected, then cities will burn and the and the waters will emerge and swamp your city. But whereas if you elect Joe Biden, then obviously everything changes. Weird, because I was promised the same thing by Barack Obama. That was the moment when the seas didn't—I mean, we elected him, right? Wasn't that the moment when the seas were going to begin to recede? And then uh, that didn't happen because it turns out that's not the way any of this works. But don't worry, science—and that is Joe Biden's final pitch. Science, science. We need science. Here is Joe Biden on science. We need a president who
2: respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. Unless we take urgent action, we'll soon be more catastrophic. A president who recognizes, understands and cares that Americans are dying, which makes President Trump's climate denialism, his disdain for science and facts, all the more unconscionable.
0: I mean, Joe Biden's disdain for articulable English is is obvious from that clip. But we need a president. See, it's all about the feelings. It's all about the feelings of science. He's got the lawn sign right there. Science is real. I mean, he's saying it. Why don't you believe him? Science is real. Well, we we need a president who's going to say science is real over and over and over. Sure, it won't accomplish anything, but he's got the lawn sign, gang. The lawn sign is all that matters. That's all that matters. The lawn sign. My favorite is then he said that he has concrete, actionable programs. Okay, and this is pretty hilarious. So so his plan is that we are going to get to net zero emissions by no later than 2050. By 2050. okay. again, quick note, Greta Thunberg, who goes around talking about how the adults, they don't believe us. They don't believe that it's urgent. It's so urgent. How happy you think she's going to be with Joe Biden saying that we're going to get to net zero by 2050, which is last I checked, 30 years from now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden's going to save the world, guys. Science is real. Good, good, Good job, Joe. Good, excellent. Excellent job. By the way, I have a policy that could really stop a lot of wildfires. Here's a here's a policy. It's really easy, actually. It doesn't even have to do with forest management. You ready? Here's the policy. Arrest people who commit arson and then keep them in jail. I mentioned this policy because here is breaking news from The New York Post. Quote, an Oregon man was charged with using a Molotov cocktail to start a brush blaze in the wildfire devastated state and then busted again just six hours later for allegedly going back and starting six more, cops said. Well, weird, because I thought he was arrested the first time. So how did he get out of jail to start six more fires? Domingo Lopez, Jr., 45, was first arrested Sunday afternoon after witnesses told cops he started a fire on the grassy edge of a Portland freeway with an incendiary device made out of a plastic bottle with a wick. He admitted starting the blaze, which was extinguished without any injuries or property damage. He was booked into jail at 6.45 p.m. Sunday on charges of reckless burning and second-degree disorderly conduct. Then, because Portland is Portland, he was released on his own recognizance later that night. He was found walking along the edge of the same highway just after 3.30 a.m. Monday as cops joined fire crews to investigate reports of six more fires, Portland police said. This time, he appeared to start the fires with a lighter, which was seized as evidence. Luckily, all the fires were caught early. No one was injured. No structures were burned, said the police. So, I mean, here's, here's a good way to, to stop some of these fires is to keep people in jail who commit arson. Also, you know it would be a great way to stop fires? To mitigate the homeless problem in the state of California. I had, uh, I had a, a kind of evening dinner with some firefighters out here in LA in the last couple of weeks. And they were saying to me that half of the fire calls they get are homeless people setting fires, either accidentally or on purpose. So good news is that California has decided to basically look the other way on the homeless problem. Other things that we could do to prevent all of these wildfires from, from getting worse. Here are, here are a few other things that we could do. We could mitigate... Some of the federal regulations governing all of this reason magazine says the regulatory requirements one must meet before starting a controlled burn are complex and lengthy. We need more controlled burns because otherwise you just basically have these giant tinderboxes, especially since the 1960s efforts to extinguish all fires, even natural low impact forest fires that serve as nature's equivalent of a controlled burn have made forests more susceptible to larger fires and have made controlled burns more and more necessary. According to Jonathan Wood, attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation, adjunct fellow with the Property and Environment Research Center, the National Environmental Policy Act requires, quote, a couple thousand page document analyzing every single conceivable impacts to the environment that a controlled burn plan might have. This is a public process that often results in litigation. What you'll often find, says Wood, is that there are projects which have been extremely well vetted, that have been years in the work. There'll be a 5,000 page document no one could conceivably read because it's so long and complicated. Then the project will be put on hold because some special interest group filed a lawsuit. From 1999 to 2017, an average of 13,000 acres of California were subjected to controlled burns every year. In February, 2020, Nature Sustainability, it's a magazine, published a report arguing California needs to burn 20 million acres of forest in order to restore forest health. So they burned 13,000 acres a year in California. From 1999 to 2017, we now need to burn 20 million acres of forest. That's the fault of climate change. Not bad policy. Mm -hmm. Also, the Clean Air Act of 1990 creates an obstacle because the law treats the smoke from a controlled prescribed burn as a pollutant that has to be analyzed. They don't do the same from a wildfire. We can see the smoke right now from the wildfire. And this goes back decades. President Clinton, in his closing days in office, January 5th, 2001, New York Times, in the biggest Land Conservation Act in decades, President Clinton will approve an order on Friday, putting nearly a third of the national forest land permanently off limits to road building and logging. So the idea there is that people were clear cutting and not replacing the trees. That's not true. But if you don't get rid of old wood, one of the things that happens that it tends to burn. Hey, Joe Biden continues, however, to shout science is real. So that means he's good and right? that we, we know he's good. It doesn't matter that this is very much a political problem. And it doesn't matter that a lot of what Biden is saying is patently anti-scientific. The increased amount of damage from hurricanes, for example, is not due to the increased activity of hurricanes. There has been no increase in number of hurricanes. And there has been an increase in some cases of the intensity of hurricanes, perhaps because of warm water layers at the top of the ocean. But the real reason you've seen increased damage is not because the hurricanes are worse. It's because more and more people have built stuff in the way of the hurricanes. Right? The target area is now larger. It doesn't matter. He believes in science and the media. They're going to they're going to repeat this until it's true. Repeat until it's true. Here is the headline from the New York Times, which is basically just the PR wing for the Democratic Party at this point. This is the lead headline at the New York Times. You ready for this? Here's the New York Times headline. Very objective newsifying journalism all over the place. The journalism getting sticky and weird all over all over the place. Here's the New York Times getting sticky and weird with Joe Biden. Trump scorns science as fires rage. Biden calls Trump climate arsonist. Oh, is that is that what's happening? Trump scorns science is the big story. Not California's forest mismanagement causes massive wildfires. Not every blue state on the coast has botched this thing. They're all blue states, by the way. Ain't no red states on the west coast of the United States. Not climate change has mildly exacerbated what is really a forest management problem, which is a far more accurate statement again. The climate in California has warmed a grand total of three degrees Fahrenheit over the past hundred years, according to the EPA. Nope. The headline is Trump score in science. Ah, uh, they've got the bumper sticker, don't they? And now Scientific American is putting out its own endorsement of Joe Biden. They've never backed a presidential candidate in 175 years. But now, because all things must be political, Scientific American is going to be political too. Scientific American has issued an endorsement because science, because science. What is their very sciencey case for why Joe Biden ought to be president? The evidence and the science, says Scientific American, show that Donald Trump has badly damaged the U.S. and its people because he rejects evidence and science. The most devastating example is his, is his dishonest and inept response to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has cost more than 190,000 Americans their lives by the middle of September. He has also attacked environmental protections, medical care, and the researchers and public science agencies that help this country prepare for its greatest challenges. That is why we urge you to vote for Joe Biden, who's offering fact-based plans to protect our health, our economy, and our environment. He has literally offered no COVID plan that differs in any way from the Trump administration plan. He has done nothing to protect the economy. He's calling for renewed lockdowns, which destroy the economy. And as far as the environment, he just he shouts climate is real and then endorses ridiculous green new deals that are never going to be implemented. By the way, you know, it's anti-science claiming that Donald Trump is responsible for the one hundred and ninety thousand American deaths from covid. That is anti-science. If it's really the politicians who are responsible for the deaths, then I look forward to scientific American endorsing Andrew Cuomo's opponent in, in New York. The fact that Scientific American is now doing this routine, it is uh, is pretty impressive stuff. Really, really simplistic, anti-evidence, absurd. I, I, again, they're now blaming the governors in Florida, Arizona, and Texas for resisting complete lockdowns. They're saying science dictates the lockdown. Science does not dictate the lockdowns. Again, the lockdowns were meant to mitigate the infection rates so that they didn't overwhelm the hospital system. They were never meant as a way to crush the virus. It has not crushed the virus anywhere. We're seeing upticks in Europe, every single country, except for, wait for it, Sweden. Why? Because they didn't lock down. Okay, yeah, but don't worry. The scientific Americans have, the, have, their, uh, have their endorsement. It's super, super scientific. Really, really scientific stuff. It's just ridiculous. But, you know, again... The, the narrative is out there and the narrative is all you have to do is say science is real and it doesn't matter how bad you are at your job. This is why the New York Times has a massive interview with Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown was governor of the state of California from both 1975 to 1983 and 2011 to 2019. What did he do to mitigate the wildfires? Oh, that's right. Nothing. Zero things. But don't worry. He says climate change is real. So the New York Times gives him the, the, the tongue slathering treatment in their pages. And by the way, I do love this. This is pretty spectacular. So he says, you might say, we are getting out of here. We're going someplace else if you're a Californian. He says, no, there are going to be problems everywhere in the United States. This is the new normal. It's been predicted. It's happening. This is part of the new long-term experience. Tell me, where are you going to go? What's your alternative? Canada? You're going to go to places like Iowa where you have tornadoes? Well, no, people are fleeing California because of mismanagement. They are leaving California because this place is run like crap. Worth noting, Governor Jerry Brown vetoed a measure to create a California fire map, and it took nine years to develop the fire map. Seven of those years were during Jerry Brown's term in office. But the good news is the New York Times says he believes in science. Okay. Meanwhile, we are watching as the cops are blamed for literally every bad thing in America by the Democratic left in the press, which is always exciting news. According to the Chicago Police Superintendent, Emily Zanotti, reporting over at Daily Wire, attacks on officers are up five times over previous years. Last week, 72 people were shot and wounded in Chicago. 18 people were killed. That's a slight increase over 2019. Overall, though, murders and shootings are each up 52% over the last year, according to the Chicago Police Department's official statistics. And attacks on police officers are up five times over previous years amid a spike in shootings that has left the city reeling. Fox News reports dozens of police Chicago police officers have been shot or shot at so far this year, including as recently as this weekend, when the Illinois city saw 35 shootings and at least 10 murders through Sunday. Of the 65 Chicago police officers who have been shot at, 10 have been struck, according to the Chicago police superintendent, who is, in fact, a black man, David O. Brown. He said that during Monday morning's press conference. He says this is not a comparable year. This is five times any previous year that anyone can recall in the city. Okay, so the latest headline of the day and how the cops are bad is that um, if cops have their uh, are driving their car and are trying to get to a reported crime and people block the car or jump on the car or start trying to break into the car. The cops are just supposed to sit there. This narrative was promoted yesterday in Sacramento. So a bunch of Black Lives Matter protesters and Antifa members, presumably, mostly white, of course, because this is a bunch of dispossessed white jackasses. They're standing out in the streets of Sacramento. A police officer has his lights on. He is trying to get to some reported crime. And they decide that they are going to obstruct. One of these morons jumps on the front hood of the car. Now, here is my basic rule. Okay, here's my basic rule. If you jump on the front hood of a vehicle that is on, what happens next is on you. If you jump on the front hood of a car that is attempting to go somewhere, what happens next is your fault. I feel like this should be relatively uncontroversial. The fact that it is controversial means that you just expect police officers to basically just be field test dummies, right? They're crash test dummies from the old commercials. They're supposed to just absorb all the blows and never defend themselves and never get out of harm's way. And so here is what happens. An idiot jumps on the front of a cop car and, uh, and the cop decides that he is not in fact going to sit around and uh, and have his car broken into and abused and he is not going to be put at threat. And so he drives off and uh, boom, we will catch you later, gang. And then people start screaming and shouting, ch- oh my God, what's happened? What's happened? Oh no, it's so terrible. Okay, it's not so terrible. That's not terrible. End of story. I have nothing else to say on that. That cop didn't do anything wrong. The cops are trying to go somewhere. To, to answer a crime. You surround the cop cars. And by the way, this is the day after, or two days after, two cops were were nearly murdered in an assassination attempt in Compton when someone walked up to the driver's side window or to the passenger side window and, and shot two of the cops directly in the head. Okay, so um, if I'm that cop, I'm keeping on going too, and you should too. We've seen this over and over, by the way. You, you, this has been happening at BLM protests for months, that there will be civilians, not just cops, civilians who are attempting to get through an area. And then BLM protesters, will surround the car and start pounding on the car and people will hit the gas to get the hell out of there because they're afraid of what's going to happen. And then the BLM protesters in the media are like, how could somebody do that? If you jump in front of a moving vehicle, that's your fault. If you jump on the hood of a moving vehicle, that is your fault. If you attempt to obstruct people in their ability to exercise their basic right to use the roads for which they pay taxes, then um, that's your fault. So cops are always expected to, uh, to absorb all forms of harm, which is why, by the way, you've seen... the the BLM movement riot over cases in which the cop obviously exercised self-defense, in which the suspect was coming at them with a knife, right? That's what happened in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. There was a riot in Lancaster after a cop shot a man who was charging him with a knife. And cops are not crash test dummies. Cops are human beings who stand between you and the worst that America has to offer. And meanwhile, I am enjoying the full-scale media defenses now. So the media have to somehow come up with a, a defense for the fact that so many of these protests have turned violent. They've turned into looting. And so it's turned into a right-wing myth, right? This is the way it is. Conservatives pounce. Every time a, a BLM protest turns into rioting and looting or anytime people from BLM are literally on tape attempting to break into a hospital or obstruct an ambulance or are shouting in glee when cops get shot. then we have to pretend that they are completely unassociated with the BLM movement. If you ever doubt media bias, just think about the idea that if there were ever a tea party, one tea party event where one person had gotten hurt, okay, a tea party event, where a person had gotten hurt, the media would immediately impute that not only to the entire Tea Party, but to every Republican legislator in America. We had an entire movement in the early Obama administration called Occupy Wall Street, where people were sitting in parks and people were getting raped in parks and crime was taking place. And the media was like, yes, but their cause is just. We saw in the last couple of months an independent republic of Chaz Chop set up in the middle of Seattle. And the media were like, "It's like a street fair until two people got shot to death and the cops were barred from coming in. And so now Don Lemon is doing the heavy lifting. He says, you know, how can you conflate this police ambush that happened in L.A. with the protests? I'm not conflating with the protests. Most of the protesters are not murderers. Most of the protesters that I've seen, because there are some 15 million of them, are not rioters and looters. In fact, I think most of the protesters don't even understand what the hell they are protesting for or against. I think they just think that they're protesting and saying racism is bad, which, okay, sure. Racism, of course, is bad. But like in the classical definition, not in the Ibram X. Kendi, tear down the system definition. Okay, but Don Lemon... Because he has to come up with a reason why the protests keep randomly devolving into bad things. He has to say, oh, this is a Republicans pounce case. Here's Don Lemon being very Republicans pouncy.
2: I think we should be very clear because I hear people conflating it to the protests or that we don't know that yet. We don't know that. But what we do know is something horrible happened and there should be no excuse made for it. And um, and I, I hope these officers get better. Uh, I, my heart and, and my thoughts go out to their families and also to the members uh, of the department. But there's no excuse for that kind of violence.
0: Okay, so you know, we have no evidence that it's conflated with the protest. Weird, because uh, you will conflate every single bad thing that happens in the United States with something Donald Trump said. Strange, strange. And then ABC's Sonny Hostin on The View, a repository of all human stupidity. She, she says that the BLM protest movement is being, vi- uh, being violent. That's a false narrative. It's a false narrative. Okay, according to a widespread study, of all of the BLM protests across the country, some 7% of them dissolved into violence and rioting and looting, which is like 500 different events evolving into violence and rioting and looting. Here's Sonny Host, It's all a myth. Never happened.
1: According to a new Fox News poll, more voters classify BLM unrest as riots rather than protests. And that is scary because that's feeding into this narrative that the Trump campaign has been putting out there. And if you really look at the facts, 93 percent, 93 percent of protests are non-violent. And so this is manufactured by the Trump campaign. And I just wish that people understood that and knew that and just looked up the real facts about protests in this country.
0: Okay. On that, uh, on the table in front of me, thought experiment, on the table in front of me are 100 glasses of lemonade. 93% of them have no poison in them. Does this seem like a good deal to you? Are you going to take a drink? How do you feel about that? Also, what if, some of those glasses of lemonade turned into glasses of lemonade with poison in them. Would you would you take a drink? Because you don't know which is which. This is just it's such absurdity. The media's willingness to overlook the actual violence and rioting and looting. They did the same thing in 2016 when when BLM had this this moment again in 2016 and six Dallas police officers were murdered in Dallas by a BLM member, a self-proclaimed BLM member. And it was like, well, he has nothing to do with the protest. OK, well, um, you can distinguish the rioters and the protests and looters by identifying the crime. But if you're talking about the underlying ideology and what it pushes, you got a problem. You got a problem. Well, I guess we're not going to hear about incendiary rhetoric. Also, on CNN, we're not going to hear about incendiary rhetoric. Here is a retired L.A. police department sergeant named Cheryl Dorsey appearing as a CNN guest and literally making excuses. I mean, this is, this is amazing. There's a guest on CNN making excuses for the attempted assassination of two police officers in California.
1: My first reaction was sadness because, listen, there's a lot of chatter on social media about an eye for an eye. We know that there are reports of uh, internal gangs within the Compton Sheriff Department. Particularly, they refer to themselves as the executioner. And so I wondered aloud if this wasn't maybe retaliation
0: for the failure To hold officers accountable, not only in the Compton Sheriff's Department, but uh, nationally when we see instances of officers using deadly force as a first resort rather than a last resort. You know, it's bad that it happened, but maybe it was just retaliation for a lack of accountability. Okay, that is a full on justification of violence against police officers. Don't tell me that there's an ideological separation when I'm not seeing the ideological separation. I'm not. If you want to say that violence against police officers is bad? How about this? How about you stop making the argument that the police are systemically racist without any evidence or any possible solutions or any policies that have to be changed? But they won't do that because the cops are, in fact, always bad. In fact, they're so bad that they should basically sit there while they are abused or while people charge them with knives or while people jump on the hoods of their cars and attempt to assault them. Really, the cops should basically just absorb it because that's what they're there to do, aren't they? Okay, well, we've run out of time on today's podcast. But later on today, we'll be here for two additional hours. We'll discuss President Trump's rally that he held in Nevada. Now, two things can be true at once, that it is a bad idea to hold a giant indoor rally in the middle of a COVID pandemic. And two, that the Nevada governor really has no leg to stand on because all the casinos are open in Nevada. So those two things can both be true. We'll get to that a little bit later on today. Plus, we'll get to universities going full woke. Apparently, the the Columbia Marching Band I'm not kidding you. The Columbia marching band just dis- they decided to dissolve because of their institutional racism. The marching band. Probably because of those French horns. The French. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pava Wydowski. Our associate producer is Nick Sheehan. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
2: You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.